Are your parents proud of you? I'm your host, Matthew Schufreder. It's been a long time. How was everyone's Thanksgiving? How was everyone's Christmas, New Year, Valentine's Day? Guess what? I was alone for four out of five of those. Which ones? Stay tuned. All right. We have a great episode for you today. We have Larry Yando. Now, for Chicagoans, that name may sound familiar. It's no other than Ebenezer Scrooge at the Goodman Theater's A Christmas Carol. Larry's been doing it for over over uh, 10 years now. Just did it again this last year and was received with acclaimed reviews as always. But Larry's also been Scar and the National Touring Company of The Lion King, who's also in The Jungle Book. He's also a big fan of Shakespeare. I talked to Larry about being the choreographer in college in his freshman year for Gypsy, uh, having John DeToro as his roommate, and much more. He is a sweetheart. And I'm not just saying that. Uh, he was, but he was awesome. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with Larry Endo. Mr. Larry Endo, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. You're welcome. So, it, we're recording this in January. Um, I know your your favorite child is probably Ebenezer Scrooge in Christmas Carol, and you guys had you returned for an abbreviated run. I put in quotes because you guys shut down for a while, tried to come back, and then shut down again. I'm curious, what's the vibe? What's the feeling in the Yando household right now after that experience? Well, it's just me, number one. So this is the household. Um, uh, it was really... it. It felt so much. It felt so much more disappointing than anything else to me in the past two years, because we it, we got going safely. The theater was un, I mean, the Goodman was unbelievable with protocols like top of the line, and so everyone felt safe, and 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 it was all transparent. And we got we if there was ever anybody sick, the slightest sniffle, they called in everyone, you know, and called out of the show and uh um and then immediately the theater tested them um you know may they took care of that and just to make sure it wasn't you know the virus and um so uh, it, it started with high hopes and just that joy of going back to what at least I live for, um, you know, after what 18 months, two years, whatever it was. And then, and then to have like that damn virus, like sort of sneak in anyway, everyone was vaccinated, of course, you know, it's going on right now. Um, so, you know, you kind of felt like we did it, we did it. And then all of a sudden it just all crumbled and it just felt very sad, but particularly because of how much the show is loved and how much, and, and how much we love doing it because of what it's, the, the message, the theme, the whole thing right now. I mean, it just, it just couldn't be a better play to return to the theater for, you know what I mean? And then it just sort of, and how I escaped it without without coming down with it is a miracle because I, 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 I never leave the stage and I'm, you know, I sweat, I drool, I spit, I hug, I kiss, I yell, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, so I'm happy, but I was just so, I felt so sad for everyone else who ended up having to like be now isolate the show close and then isolate for whatever it's five days or something. If you're vaccinated, I'm like, what a rotten end, you know? So that was a long answer to very, very disappointed and, and, and sad and, uh, and sad for the audiences who I know just from the, I think we did three, three weeks, four weeks um, from it was such a supercharged energy in the theater this year, as you can imagine, you yeah. know, because, yeah, because it was like a lot of people missed last year who got to see it, you know, uh, who always see it and they didn't last year. And uh, so I really, my heart went out to, you know, the two weeks of audience people who had bought, you know, the members who had bought their tickets and just, you know, they were allowed to watch a streamed version, which was really great of the in the theater to do and made that available, but not the same, you know, it's yeah. not ultimately the same. Yeah. And as if I work at the Goodman, I'm their front of house. So yeah, I. Oh my God, Matthew! <laughs> yeah, you know your name, but I never go to front of house. And this year, of course, we never did. We yeah. were back there. Oh, that's hysterical! Well, you I, know I, that I, back. You didn't funny, tell me that. Yeah, I. You know, it's a it's a under the radar thing. I will say my favorite thing was like the first time I encountered you. We were doing, we were, you know, Goodman does vaccine checkpoints now, and we were doing it one day on a Sunday, and you guys were rehearsing, and you come out, and you just go, looks like fun, huh? And then you walk away. I'm like, oh, my God, that was Scrooge, pointing, looking yeah. at how pissed off I am that I'm <laughs> I remember. I remember because I would go out the front and I think, and yeah, because you had to stand outside, you know, and, you know, and whether it was cold that day or not, I knew it was going to be really cold. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's, you know, it's worth it because, you know, when yeah. we work at the front of house, we don't get to see the show. We, you know, hear it from time to time and yeah. know when yeah. we begin back to work. But as I watched the stream version. And, you know, it's great. Love it and all. There's just this little moment, though, I captured of you at the end. And it's maybe it was just for the camera or just from the moment. But you wiped off your, your face. You, you, there are some tears coming down. And, I, yeah. and maybe it's just because of the time we lived in or how I was watching it. I got COVID and was watching it from my house. Um, I just thought, what a show you know, we need right now. Did you, is it hard for you? Was it harder yeah. for you this year to shake off Scrooge even more? Because I think we needed Scrooge more. Uh, no, yes, it was, it wasn't harder to shake off the, the role really, but it was harder to, it was like I said, hard to let go of the actual idea of doing it for the full run. That was, it was really hard because yes, it is a, it is a, um, it's a role that really for me anyway, you know, I can only speak for me. It, it, it digs, 
like it goes deep. Like it, I've said this before, it goes really dark the way I tried to do it anyway. You know, I, I'm, sh I'm sure there's other, many other ways to do screwed. Um, but it, 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 it goes very dark. And then there's it, it, oh, it always ends with so much light, you know what I mean? And that's what I, I think is where the disappointment lies is I didn't get to come out of the dark again yeah. after two and a half hours. And that's if you saw the, uh, the end of the show, I'm sure you saw. Yeah. Because he has, uh, he has the simplest line in the world and it's always been the line that I live for or that I've loved one of the lines, but in the play, it's just simply I, well, actually the way it's written with my, you know, fanatic right. Shakespeare thing, it's actually written I dot, 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 I dot, 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 am happy, but you know, the line is basically, I am happy. That's it, right? And it, it, those three words say the entire sort of discovery of the kind of torture hell he's been in for the past 30 years. You right. know what I mean? And uh, any time after that, then the 20 minutes that occur after that in the play, <laughs> after that moment in the bedroom, are up for grabs with me emotionally because it's I feel very raw and very kind of exposed and the masochistic actor in me actually loves being you know uh loves that because it feels like that's what to me when maybe some magic will happen because there's no intellectualizing or heady stuff and you know and so uh you're absolutely available and uh, and this character has not been available at all for the, you know for right. years so uh, anyway there there's a yeah. lot of information no it's great and <laughs> okay. speaking of character i want to talk about young larry who before an actor was a dancer so it's true. yeah how did that come to be what were you like as a child um I, well i you know i try to remember because number one i know the facts of the matter are that i that i i know i happen to get two, at least two, incredible elementary school teachers, kindergarten and first grade. I remember them vividly. I remember the rest, but I remember those two because they were my first teachers. And they both, Mrs. McGregor and Mrs. Craig, um, but they both kind of, I remember specific incidents of them encouraging me to do things that I must have been trying to do, or like I remember Mrs. Craig had me come up and do the twist with her in front of the class. Yeah. And I remember because she had these red shoes on and I was watching her feet and try to imitate. But clearly she didn't do that. I must have been expressing some sort of 
I like to sing. And then in kindergarten, I used to get these report cards, my mother told me, of little comments, report cards were things you you would not know about probably because they used to come in a little yellow envelope. Well, I know what you're thought, talking about. I got that. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, you, it wasn't an email or anything. You know, oh. you just had to bring it home, and you got grades, and then a little paragraph. And all the time, it, my mother was told, and this one she showed me: he sings and dances like a little bird, and in the class enjoys him so much. And then suggested that my mother give him dancing lessons or something, whatever. Well, somehow my mother believed it. She did it. I started dancing. And so I must have been, I don't, I don't remember specifics, but I remember ending up in this dance school in Poughkeepsie, New York and, um, and coming to life, you know, like I had a talent for it, like I could dance, I guess. And the, the odd thing was my mother's from a family of like, I think it's 12 brothers, four sisters. Yeah, all, all athletic football playing um, you know, I, d dare I say, uh, not, not at all conservative, but, but, but definitely not, you would never send your son to a ballet class, you know, that big no-no. And she took flack from them and she, and, and what do you do putting that kid in a dance, you know? Yeah. And but she, she must've seen it too. And I'm very lucky to have had a mother like that. I realize in my opinion, too late, how, how amazing she was. She was a factory worker. We were lower middle class. You know, we, we, it's not like we had any money to spend on dancing school uh, at all. She was a single mother with no help from my, my father. And um, so, but she found a way to send me, I went every day after school till nine o'clock at night and took became like a big dancer at this school and then got a then got a scholarship to Boston Conservatory of Music, a dance scholarship. And that's where I went, hmm, all my friends are over in that musical theater department. So I kind of was on the right track and I had a talent for it. And I was a guy. I mean, because let's face it, it's I don't know the dance world well now, but back then we were, you know, they would do anything to get a guy, even if you couldn't walk in a straight line. At this point. Yeah. They'd figure out a way to get you to dance. Right. Um, but I do think I, I could walk in a straight line. I think that I was, and I was big, I was built like my uncles, you know, I wasn't, you know, so I could definitely, I had heft for pas de deux and stuff. And, uh, you know, and I love ballet, and but I basically was more of a tap jazz. Yeah. You know, that's what, that you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it made more sense to sort of slide over into the musical theater world a little bit. Anyway, so I realized then that I had been in the right area, the performing arts, but I wanted to be doing that. I wanted to be singing and acting in addition to dance. 
and I kind of dropped out and switched tracks. Yeah, you stopped going to classes at the conservatory after a while, right? Because this is, you re- kind of realize this is not what you wanted to do. How do you know that? How I do, do you know that? I do my research. But God, did I ever say that? That It's absolutely true. You're <laughs> absolutely yes. Yeah, you kind of figure that out. Like, you know, I studied radio for a semester and then realized like, uh-huh. this is not what I wanted to do. I want to, I want to go back to my theater roots and, you know, sort of slide off there and figure that out. So I kind of relate to you, you know, yeah. when, when you stopped, when you stopped going to class, you, did you know what you were doing? I, I, I kind of did. I, I kind of did. I think I knew I, I was going to leave that school and try to go to a theater school. So, and also, you know, I can't, I, it was, I was away at college. I was in Boston, which is a fabulous city. I'm from New York. I'm an East coast guy. And, um, originally, and, uh, so I love that city. And I spent summers on Cape Cod with one of these said uncles. I taught his family would go every summer. And I, 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 to this day, I miss the ocean and the East Coast. Um, but nonetheless, I went, so I was in Boston. So at the same time, I was like on a scholarship for dance. I also was hearing Gloria Gaynor saying, I will survive in a disco. And I'm like, what's this? You know, what's it? You know, one of my roommates who was from San Francisco, I remember came buzzing into the room the first time I met him, like a whirlwind. He was in the musical theater department. And he said, hi, I'm Michael. What's your name? And I said, Larry. And he goes, Larry, we're going dancing tonight. And I'm like, (laughs) I kind of didn't even know what that meant, which is weird. And we went to this huge disco. And so anyway, I started doing that more than going to class. You know, I'm like, boy, this is the best thing ever. So um, but I knew I was going to leave. And I said st- I left after a year and uh, ended up going to SUNY New Paltz, which is a state university of New yeah. York. Yeah. And is it true that at this state university, you went up to the, one of the professors, you saw that they were doing gypsy. And you walk yep. in and you say, first of all, you have balls for saying this, but you said, hello, I'm a freshman and I want to be your choreographer or something like that. Absolutely. And the thing is, I have to say this, and, I, and I'm not being modest. It's true. I'm not a self-promoter. I've never been a self-promoter. I actually have regrets about not being a self-promoter. I've never sent a postcard with my resume and picture on it in my life, you know, which is standard for young actors. Very used to be now it's sort of more digital or probably, but, um, uh, I never did that. I never, I, I was lucky. I worked hard. I wasn't a jerk. And I, I, and I believe, although, you know, it never goes away that niggling doubt, you know, I believe I had something to bring to the table. I believe that I had, I was talented in some way, but I never kind of pushed myself on anyone. Well, I went to New Paltz and I thought, I'm just going to go to this New Paltz till I find a conservatory program for acting, thinking that was what you had to do. Like DePaul, like theater school or, you know, Carnegie Mellon. I mean, you name it. Those, the schools that had BFAs in 
you know, in acting. This school did not have that. It was a state university school, basically a teaching college, and it was near my home in Poughkeepsie. Um, it ended up being a brilliant, small theater department that I would change nothing. I was so lucky to have gone there and I stayed for years and I don't think I could have gotten a better prep anywhere. So I walk in and I don't know anything and I see and they their season, the school is doing blah, 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 and the first show is Gypsy. And I'm just like, Gypsy, are you kidding me? I should play Tulsa and I can, I, they don't, you know, I, it pro I probably had a chip on my shoulder. So I walk into this guy, Dan Swartz's office, and I just said, hi, you don't know. Like you said, I, you don't know me. My name's Larry Ando. I'm, I'm, this is my first year here. I came from Boston Conservatory of Music. Um, I, should ap I should choreograph Gypsy. I think you need me to choreograph Gypsy. And he looked at me and said, who are you? I said, Larry Ando. He said, and why would I let you choreograph Gypsy? I said, because I don't think you're going to find somebody here, here who's going to be able to choreograph that show better. It's what I do. And he said, yeah, we have, a, I, I think, and anyway, he sent me away. Next day, he called me in and he said, he said, okay, you want to, sure. He said, yeah, he just said, yes. Wow. I didn't prove, I didn't dance for him. I didn't show him anything. And there I was sort of choreographing all the seniors and all the people in the show. And I sort of, <laughs> and I'm so glad I, and playing Tulsa, one of the roles in it. He has a big dance number, you know? And so, yeah, that's how I got there. And then I got in some plays and that's where I really, that was not, that was new territory for me. And it was, Because uh, yeah. you were getting the note of, you smiled too much in your scene, right? Yeah, Delano Fosco Dance Studio. Yes, right. absolutely. Yes, I, I took classes and I heard it all. I, I didn't know what was going on. They're like, I remember early on, the teachers were like, why do you keep smiling? And I'm like, am I? I, I mean, I had no idea, but performing was linked to my, those dance teachers back in Poughkeepsie were actually vaudeville performers and they were all kind of razzmatazz jazz hands. So that sort of tone underlied all my training at the dance school. So you, uh, there were always the, these big smiles plastered on all their dancers' faces be, and it, because they insisted on it. In fact, they had a rating system like so you would move forward and one was for the execution of, let's say, the tap dance, but one quarter of the marks was smile and a lot of times all your all the other students who are watching you they're the ones who are saying he missed this step he missed or whatever right after you do it that one of the big comments they always caught you on was he didn't he stopped smiling and that meant you couldn't get the star if you stopped it was that important Wow. So anyway, there I am doing like trying to probably, I don't remember what scenes I was doing, but I'm like, like big, awful, horrible smile, right. you know, and, and fake and not at all 
connected to anything you know I, it just came automatically and that was hard for me i had to get i had to get rid of that and luckily i had gr really good friends who happened to be a, a couple of them very good actors and very good teachers and i sort of just sort of sort of sucking up what they were doing and gradually i got rid of that i think i probably still and it probably makes many people nuts when they watch me on stage but i still have a performer and i i can pull out a performer's energy you know what i mean not the smile i don't i think that's gone thank god right. but uh uh there is a kind of I don't know. I think maybe all, I think a lot of actors have that. Uh, I could be wrong, but uh, that desire to, at the very least, bridge that gap and affect the audience member and perhaps entertain is part of that. I mean, we know someone's out of play. We know they're coming to see a show, even if it's a heavy drama, but there it is you could call that a form of entertainment yeah you know? well you say you start you start out more as a entertainer rather than a performer and then you sort of have to sort of switch around to that yeah i guess that i guess you could say that i guess at least that's the vocabulary i use it right. felt like i don't want to be an entertainer like that and i use the word entertainer no one's no one called me an entertainer but that's where you know an entertainer nothing wrong with it but not helpful when you're trying to get involved in the deepest possible way in a scene from arthur miller's you know a view from the bridge right. <laughs> not yeah, shouldn't not really important to be thinking about entertaining you know, maybe. Right. You I, know. I think probably there, there in the background. I mean, it probably, I don't know. I never thought of this. I wonder if it has anything, You like it must be there somewhere or you wouldn't say I love you in a scene so the 400th row can hear you. There, You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You have an obligation that everyone receives this story as an actor and the fact of the matter is you wouldn't say I love you loud enough for that last row to hear you unless mate somewhere in there you understood the idea of theater and and the architecture of it and you know and maybe entertaining is in that mix somewhere I don't know I don't know I mean yeah. Oh, for know. me, it was for me, it was something I wanted gone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to, for me, it was in the way, in the way. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I mean, when I started acting at Columbia College, we, you know, we did the foundations courses and my teacher at the time was like, all right, well, I'm not going to give all the notes. You guys are going to give all the notes of like instead so instead of what you see it's what you observed what you took away from that uh -huh. and you know my first scene I ever did was uh love and information and which was you know for a first time actor in an art school didn't know where that came from yeah right and it first turns out I didn't smile I was speeding through my entire lines because I thought this is what it works and my teacher goes Matt do you know that you speed up when you talk I'm like, no, what do you mean? And 
He's like, you do that. Uh, so that was my own little mechanic yeah, I had yeah. stuck in my head that even yeah. to this day that I still struggle with just because I think speed and tempo really helps a scene, you know? Well, I'm kind of with you if you want to know the truth. Yeah. I, I mean, there, like anything, Matt, I really think that your strength is very often your weakness and, and vice versa. Yeah. Like, I think the ability to move through a thought and through language, those two connected, of course, speaking your thought, um, as quickly as the mind really works, which is lightning fast, instead of sort of handing it over on a plate all the time, you know, I think that's a that's a a, a plus in your in your sort of toolkit. Uh, you know what I mean? It right. can be a plus the ability to do that. Yeah, I mean the other the other. We, I mean every actor has it. A, a very big one default setting for a lot of actors is to do the opposite to get slow to mumble and get very in remote internal like don't put too much out too far or you may get caught not acting well or something you know what i mean (laughs) that happened i mean that's when I do it, that's what's going on. I'm like, I'm not sure of what I'm doing. So I'm just going to keep it really kind of close and not do anything too risky to call attention to the fact that I don't know what I'm doing, you know? <laughs> uh, is it true that uh, John Turturro was your roommate at one point? Oh, yes. He's, yes, absolutely. And a dear friend. He was... One of the people I was referring to when I said I happened to go to that new new Paltz and had other actors, people who very different from me. I mean, from Queens, it very he was very, you know, very different. But he immediately he came and uh, yes, and others, uh, others. But I he was one of the people that it was just so fortuitous that I went to school with him because he was so opposite extreme of me in where he was and his sort of journey to become an actor that we really fed off each other mm. and took a lot of each other's thing. And I'll never forget it. It, it really did feel like fate to me or, and karma in some way. I was sitting on the hill of the school. It was, it's a beautiful, it's in the Catskill mountains, the right. lower Catskill mountains. Yeah across the river from Poughkeepsie. And so you can look at Lake Mohonk from the hill outside the theater department. And everyone always sat on that hill. So I was just sitting there one day alone early on. And this guy comes up to me and goes, are you, are you Larry? I said, yeah, I am. He said, I'm John. You're, and he said, someone told me you're a dancer. And I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, you got to come with me to this class I'm taking in town. And he took me with him to a dance class. I didn't know him at all. We immediately, I went with him. And it was this fabulous teacher in town, Brenda Buffalino, who's a very well-known hoofer, tap dancer now. But she did Afro-Cuban dance. And she was, and you could take this class, you know, through outside studies. And John had somehow 
got in it. I don't know how. And he brought me to the class and he, and that's all he knew was he asked me and I told him I was, uh, yes, I was a dancer. And then I know we talked about school and t- where are you from and all that stuff. But that's what I remember as we walked into town, he was going to this class and we walked up the steps to Brenda's class. And uh, he went up and said, uh, as though we had been friends since we were five. He said, Brenda, this is my friend, Larry. He's an amazing dancer. He just didn't get here in time to get into the class. You got to put him in the class. I mean, totally like he he knew nothing about me. Mm -hmm. And she said, I don't have room. The class was jammed because of course she was very popular i mean she was she was brilliant she became a dear friend to both of us mm-hmm. but so i she said take this class but i don't i don't i, I i'm too full and I, I can't have any more in this room but take this one and, and so i took and i'm like okay and then i got my chip on my shoulder because she had no idea i mean she I really was confident about dance, even still. So I kind of went to the back, which is a great trick of mine, and danced in the back, where I knew I would still probably stick out. (laughs) And then gradually, as the class went on, I like sort of, we moved around. Yeah, 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 yeah. And at the end of the class, she came up to me and she said, she said, um, I'll write you a note. And so, uh, and just take it to the bursar's office and uh, say, and I'll okay you coming into this class. And I think it was because I was a dancer, you know, yeah. and, she, and she was that. And it was all because of John. And then also because of John was, I got in a view from the bridge and I watched these great actors doing, uh, uh, acting in a way that seemed foreign to me, except in movies. And uh, I sort of, I played his brother. He was Marco. I was Rudolfo. And that was when I realized if I didn't dance again, I'd be fine. You know what I mean? I still loved it. And I'm a dancer in my heart. But I thought, oh, this was tricky for me. And I sort of watched him and the guy playing Eddie Carbone. And they were all really good. And the director was really intense. You know, uh, you know, we'd have not mirror exercises, but it would be very ensemble oriented and the rehearsals were very serious, which very different from Gypsy, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So, and so, yes, that that was a really long. No, that was great. That now you need a a little history about Mr. Totoro. Larry's your guy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And we, so yes, we were roommates for three years at least. I forget what, uh, I forget. And um, we did, we were just became very close. And um, and it was one of the highlights of being at that school was getting to us becoming friends. And then about four other people, all I learned so much from, you know what I mean? In addition to the teachers, it was just a good, it was just luck. It was like a great energy for four years that happened to all go to New Paltz, New York, yeah. you know, by Woodside. It was so bizarre. Yeah. And then, so you went to DePaul after to get your MFA in theater. So then, like, what brought you to Chicago? Did you know much about it at the time? 
well, I what. Well, yes, because it was when it was all Steppenwolf you heard about, and they always brought a show to New York. I I had not seen True West, but I did see Down in the City, because I was in the city all the time, because New Paltz is like 85 miles, 90 miles, just north of Manhattan, up the Hudson, right on the Hudson almost. And um, so, you know, we were down there a lot. Uh, from cop John and everybody we would go down a lot it was easy and I had a car so I was like the show but um one of the shows we saw was uh, Bomb and Gilead I'll never forget it it was a Steppenwolf production and I so besides all the general buzz about Chicago but you know I was a typical New Yorker you know I don't know if you've ever seen that map there's a famous Mm -hmm cartoon of the map where everything is absolutely detailed in Manhattan (laughs) and then there's the Hudson River and then there's like Princeton, Chicago, LA and nothing else you know what I mean like but everything and that's the map of the United States from a New Yorker's point of view but um they we I, I saw that and I was, it's one of those, I have like five of those moments where your life sort of goes boom, boom, ka-chink, and everything changes in theater. And that was one of them. And it had to do with whoever, I think, I think Malkovich directed it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And the music was music I love, which was Tom Waits, Bruce Springsteen, Tom Waits. So the sound, the score was amazing. And then there was this woman who did this 30 minute, 20 minute, I don't know how long monologue that I've never experienced. And it's one of those moments where I'm like, it was hysterically funny and I was sobbing at the same time. And it was Laurie Metcalf and she, and I didn't know who she was, but I, th- and I, I, I was riveted. And I went back three nights later to see it again. I got a TKTS thing and saw it again. And this time I watched this other brilliant actress doing the harder job sitting across from Laurie Metcalf named Glenn Headley just listening and I thought I have never ever in my life seen anyone listen to someone like that in my life it was it was also riveting and so anyway I just loved the whole thing so that embedded in my mind and I wanted to get my master's because I don't know if you want to get into this whole thing, but I had a tumor in my leg and it shattered. Yeah. So right when I was graduating from Chicago, this whole kind of physical thing happened. My leg broke in half from a tumor I didn't know was there. So everything got put on hold and it's, you know, long and complicated. And, but it was a lot of, on, I was in Poughkeepsie and New Paltz for like two years crutching around, you know what I mean? Because, and I thought, okay, I got to get it back together. Um, and I thought I'd couple getting my master's with, you know, getting off crutches, being on a cane, coming back. I, I'll, I'll get my MFA. That'll be a good way, you know. 
So where should I go? I'm going to look at that Chicago place because I love that play, you know, or something, you know, and I I didn't know about it. And I sort of visited and the school looked nice and they accepted me. I auditioned and I sort of hid the fact that I had my knee wouldn't bend at that point. And I really should have been using a cane. I didn't tell anybody that. Yeah, I didn't because all that dancing, I was very adept at at sort of compensating and illusion. So I did a lot of stuff up here with the upper part of my body. Like, I don't look down there. But so I left the cane in the bathroom at the audition. It was in Manhattan. And I went in and I did my two monologues and I kind of just, they did, you know, I couldn't bend my right knee at that point, really. Mm-hmm. And but I don't think anyone thought to look or notice. And I got in. And then so the first and I said, I'm going to do this. And the first day there, I remember I had to tell all the teachers the first week I was like, by the way, I might not be able to do certain things because I have this issue with my knee. And I don't know what they said behind closed doors, but I didn't get kicked out or anything. So. And that's how I got, got to Chicago, basically. I thought it would be a good step to going back from absolute, uh, absolutely idling for two years and losing my mind, too, you know. And, yeah. it's like, mm, that, and, and also it was scary. I mean, you know, I, I was freaked. I, from, I never danced again, you know. And even though I said at that point I had decided to act, I still had that, you know, that physical freedom in my, in the bag, if I ever had to pull it out and it came in very handy, but I do believe you're a dancer in your heart and your spirit, because I've, I realize I've never lost that. I, I think like physically, and I I think I could dance. The fact of the matter is if I ever tried, it would be a catastrophe, but in my head, I could dance any second. I could just move however I wanted any second. It's not true, but you know. <laughs> but, like, who cares? You know, who cares? Right? Who cares? Uh, I know we're running out of time, so I'll, I'll try. I to know. I'm just. I'm so sorry. No, I, this no. Is... This is all great. No, this is okay. great. Okay. Uh, you know, you know. Looking back on Christmas Carol, Lion King, Jungle Book, this show, that show, Angels in America. How would your parents see you now? Would they be proud of you or how would they see your career? Oh, yeah. One of, yes, I am sure. I'm sure. I was not close to my father because he left when I was, I think I was seven when my mother and father split up and I would golf with him on Saturday mornings. But I don't have a very potent memory of him. I'm sure it's in there somewhere, you know, but. Uh, but it's all before seven years old for the most part, except holidays and stuff. But my mother was devoted to me. And really, I, I, I realized so late in the game just how lucky I was for that she sort of supported in a very, you know, from a very jockey family, you know, yeah. just sort of said, shut up to her brothers and let, and so did all that. I believe she was always proud of me in college. She'd be nervous for me. 
I was told by many friends and I've never seen it, but whenever I was on stage and she was in the audience, she, her mouth would be trying to help me with the words is how they described it. So she'd be watching and she, she would be like, so can, yeah, like she was, trying somehow I think maybe didn't want me to embarrass myself or something she did worry about that because she would never my mother would never get in it's anathema to her you know what I'm saying so it's very strange she didn't ever want to call attention to herself but anyway so I think she'd be very proud one of my big what I was going to say was one of my one of the saddest things, not sad, but one of my biggest disappointments is she was uh, not sickly or homebound, but she could never got out here to see anything I did in Chicago. She never made it out. So the last time she actually saw me in anything was in undergrad at New Paltz, where she came to everything. And so... And I went home to visit a lot, but uh, she never got to see anything when I really think I started to know what I was doing. You know what I mean? Uh, Not that it would have mattered to her. And she really liked the musical still. You know, she goes, you know, I did a Sam Shepard play and she saw it and she said, I just like when you do the musicals, you know, she, that's what she wanted me to do, you know. Uh, Anyway, so I think they'd be, I don't know about my father. I believe he would be very, he would be proud. Uh, What I care about is my mom. And I do believe she would be because it's really because of her that I even did. I'm doing any of this still. I think. It sounds like it. And I think she would have been proud and probably would have seen Christmas Carol for the last 12 years you've done it or so. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That would be in her. That's a good one list. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's a, that's a, like, I do plays and every time I do something like a Sarah rule play or yeah. Ira Levin, my mom would be like, what? Who yeah. was that? Talking yeah. rock. Do, yeah. And do you, you know, like I, I liked it, Larry, but do they have to say f- the F word so much? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, they kind of do, I guess. They kind of have to. Can't change the words, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Well, we we do have enough time for this game I I told you about. It's called uh, Time for Two. Two minutes on the clock, and it's just a series of random icebreaker questions. No right, no wrong. We're just curious to see what your opinion is. Okay. And what I just answer with... Yeah, the first answer that you think of. Okay. All right, here you'll be great. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. What do you like to put on your bagels? Um, uh, ham and melted Swiss. Favorite kind of pudding? Butterscotch. Favorite president? Uh, uh, Obama. Uh, favorite Richard? Favorite Richard? Yeah. Richard the Third. There you go. Uh, do you hit the treadmill or hit the couch? Couch. Are you a listener or a talker? Talker. Stairs or elevators? Elevators. Last album you listened to? 
To pimp a butterfly, Kendrick Lamar. Do you match your socks? Yes. What's your favorite smell? Lilacs. Ooh. Uh, earth, wind, or fire? <laughs> wind. Uh, is there a house on the rising sun? Yes. Boxing or wrestling? Neither. Uh, have you ever been kicked out of a bar? No. Do you make your bed every day? Yes. Do you wash your hands after going to the bathroom every time? Yes. No, yes. What fashion trend should be brought back? Bell bottoms. Do we all live in a yellow submarine? I'd like to think so, yes. And that's how we play, time for two. It was that simple. Oh, I love that. Let's do more. Make oh. up more. I'll get, I'll, I'll I like it. Go ahead. I, I like it because, you know, I, I, I usually jump off on my own thoughts, as you just heard, uh, occupying your, your interview. But um, I, I like that I don't, it's, that's not part of that. Like, yeah. I, I, it has to be that and done. I bring I it like for music. every New Year's Eve party. I played a lot. It's good. Are those always the questions or do you make up new ones? We have a, like over 200 questions that I try to get through in two minutes. Yeah, that's excellent. I like I'll, it. I'll send you more. Don't worry. Okay, well, okay. Larry, we could go on forever, but I appreciate all the time in the world that you have. This was a lot of fun. And I thank you so oh. much for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for asking me. My thanks to Larry Ando for coming on to the show. Isn't he swell? He's great. Well, speaking of swell and liking things, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Uh, because I, uh, we're at... Uh, bah, 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 bah. We keep going. We're at uh, Are Your Parents Proud of You on Instagram. And you can email us at parentsproudpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Griffin McCorgle. For what this time? Well, it's great that you asked. Griffin has now become the brand new Carrot Topper. It's exciting. All right, folks. Thank you so much for listening to Our Parents Proud of You. I'm Matt Schufrider. I'll talk to you next time.